podcasting from the world's most livable city, Melbourne. This is the Your Career Down Under Show, a podcast dedicated to help newly arrived skilled migrants and settled migrants with their career and employment issues. We interview recruiters, career coaches, HR experts and employers who share tips, techniques and insights to help you land a job quickly and rapidly advance your career. Hello everyone, this is Naishad Gadani, the co-founder of Career Care Package, coming to you from sunny Melbourne uh, today. And, uh, you know, it's my great pleasure to uh, to host Michelle from uh, the PEXA, the talent acquisition partner from PEXA today. And uh, today we are going to talk about uh, building a career in a startup. And before we do that, uh, you know, I wanted to, you know, thank uh, Caroline for yesterday's solo run because my internet really died and I just did not have any other way to to jumpstart that. So, uh, you know, hopefully that, uh, you know, that it went really well. And, uh, you know, we are really looking forward to today's interaction with Michelle. And today is our 282nd episode in our journey of Career Care Package. And uh, we are inching closer to a century, and we've got a couple of new, you know, very you know exciting news is around that we'll share with you, uh, you know, early next week about a particular week that we are celebrating. But before we introduce Michelle, I want to welcome Caroline Brown. Thanks, Nash. And yeah, it was fun doing. I shouldn't say it was fun doing it solo yesterday. <laughs> It wasn't, and I rang you and you're storming off to Telstra to get it all sorted. So, um, yeah, it seems like a lot of people having internet problems at the moment, but I guess in Melbourne it's absolutely, um, the network is absolutely loaded up. So, but today we've got Michelle Half, a talent um, manager or talent partner from Hexa, a startup, and, or a scaling uh, business, not so much a startup. And I always have a romantic thing about working for a startup, Michelle. It's kind of like, you know, late nights, pizza, grungy garages and, and you know, but the, the hint or the promise of something amazing at the end of it. So thank you very much for um, joining us today. That's okay. Thanks for having me. Oh, it's a pleasure. I wonder whether, because we want to talk about, I think during these times people start to cast in it and think, well, what, what sectors are booming? What it, where's the opportunity in that type of thing and um, start to contemplate whether working in a startup or a, a business at scaling is a good option for them. But I think there's probably a lot of myths and misconceptions around what it's actually like. And I think maybe there's a special sort of person that, that fits well. So we kind of wanted to pick your brains officially around, around that, that topic today. But um, I guess a great place to start would be to tell us about Hexa and tell us about what you actually do for them. Yeah, sure, sure. So Hexa is uh, leaning in, leading in the e-conveyancing space, and we currently act as a we're our tech company. So really, kind of as that connection point between your lawyers, your conveyances, your practitioners, and the banks as well. So um, in I'm not too sure if you guys would have 
bought a house here in Melbourne, but what used to be quite you know tedious with the paperwork and kind of running around and getting all that done, we have managed to digitise that and create a really great experience to uh, the home buyers and sellers and conveyances alike. Mm. Yeah, it's and so. Oh, sorry. And um, so my role here is in the recruitment space and I, you know, kind of in a nutshell, look after the recruitment function for PEXA and I'd look after all the roles that come in. Wow. It's funny, I was reading the description of PEXA and going, thinking about my own experience of buying a place and I reckon the most stressful part was the legalities of it, waiting for it to go through and the exchange, thinking anything could go wrong. So. Um, anything that makes that process um, easier certainly, um, you know, is a fantastic thing. So tell me about recruiting for a startup. What's it like and what do you actually look for in people that you might hire? Yeah, sure. So uh, recruiting for a startup is really great. It's amazing when you're able to work and represent a company that you believe in. So uh, I won't kind of speak to just PEX overall, but I, prior to this, have been an agency recruitment. So uh, my experience would be recruiting across your big corporates, your small organisations, and um, I'd say, you know, the smaller companies are really honing down on culture fit and um, that experience and what that looks like. So we, what, you might see in a larger organisation when it comes to hiring is you know, strict processes, which you know you might have to kind of go through multiple rounds of interview or two or three rounds and go through references, vetting and all that kind of stuff. Whereas in smaller organisations, they can, um, you know, they'll interview as many times just to make sure that you're the right candidate. So it could be something that starts two interviews or it could range to even three or four a coffee with the CEO just to make sure that you're the right fit. So mm. it's quite um, unconventional when when you're in a kind of smaller organisation, but being so small and having someone to kind of fit into the culture and be able to get get along with everyone is very important. Mm. So I'd say that the yeah hiring for that's what kind of like hiring for a startup is like, and that it's quite different to how larger organisations hire as well. Mm. And getting that fit, I guess, you know, because I, I would assume, and maybe correct me if I'm wrong, but you want people that have a level of flexibility around their roles as well as the company grows. Is that is that right? Or um... Yeah, yeah, sure. So I'd say, you know, when you're in a organ smaller organisation, if you are going to kind of stick to the position description and not want to move away from that or you're really focused on title, then you know it might not be a good fit because you're when you're working in a small organization you are looking to really kind of um you're really aligned to their mission so you know in a smaller organization it could mean more flexible work hours but everyone's so passionate about what they do so it's about kind of putting in that time to deliver and make things happen mm, fantastic Nash, you look like you're about to say something yeah, yeah, no, I think um, I'm just going to let our listeners know. If you got a question for Michelle, please make sure that you type in and send it to to us. And I think Michelle can also see the questions popping up on the mm -hmm. screen. But but feel free to do that. I think um, you know my understanding of the startup, as you know Caroline mentioned, is about you know really 
uh, you know, really relaxed environment, but hustle. But you know, they want you to to really put in, um, you know, more work, not so much more hours only, but more dedicated work, and also being able to do a couple of. There are different roles also jump in, and if you're a if you're a business analyst and you are asked to do a bit of data data analysis work, then you jump in and do that rather than waiting for the startup founder to find somebody and do that. Is that still accurate that you are in a in a in a kind of a you know upcoming startup? I think you are still required to jump in, help other people out as well, rather than just sticking to your own role. Yeah, for sure. I think like. Everyone here at Pexley, if I'm in the role recruitment, I'm a subject matter expert. But if someone comes up to me and say, hey, can you help out with this project or this other project? I, you know, it's kind of like a team effort and no one really does say no. So in your reference for um, a BA, you know, they may have to do some data work or they may have to come step in to help the product owner or do some of that work. Or sometimes I hear developers can also get involved with testing in smaller organizations. So definitely, and it, it's quite exciting as well to be able to get your hands on this experience, have that exposure and be able to kind of build your toolkit while learning on the job. So that's that's the opportunity that you kind of get as well. And I would assume from a talent point of view, you're really putting your stamp on the organization as well. Like you're really embedded in that, in that kind of um, role. Do you think that with with being in talent in, in a startup or a scaling organisation? Um, I hope so. <laughs> I, I hope so. Yeah, I, I think we all have our own part to play. So um, I think everyone contributes to the, to the yeah. key values missions of the organisation. Yeah. And how do you go about it? Like, are you are you sort of trawling LinkedIn, or do you rely on Seek? You've got other channels that you use to find people. Yeah, so finding people, multiple forms. So word of mouth is one. Um, even though word of mouth doesn't mean you'll get the job, you'll have to still go through a process. Um, my, you know, I'm in, I would love to ensure that every person has a fair chance and that our, we have a strong DNI policies as well, so making sure that that is implemented into our recruitment processes. But to find candidates, we, like I, I use LinkedIn Recruiter. I also use Seek. We also have our own database internally. And um, yeah, just having a strong talent pool of past candidates who have applied as well and reaching out to them when needed. Yeah, fantastic. I think Amit has a question, but I think that this is probably Amit might be reading my notes uh, secretly. I think <laughs> the, question, the question around cultural fit is is a very you know a very kind of you know subjective thing. You know, sometimes I will see some I will see someone as a cultural fit, cultural fit, and my my colleague may not see them as a cultural fit. What are what do you look for? Like, what do you ask specific questions? Are you kind of relying on your what your gut says about this person? Or do you do you, do you ask them to to go through certain kind of what we say psychometric tests? How do you really assess the closest cultural fit as possible? Yeah, so cultural fit is probably defined differently in other companies. So. Um, kind of putting it to a general point of view it's not really about kind of 
being able to have a drink with that person anymore. So in, in your regards to psychometric testing, yeah, that, that is a way, but it's not the, it should not be kind of the vile means, you know, you'll decide to hire that person based on test. Um, so I honestly think it's important to find someone who has the same values as the organisation and asking them how they live to the, their values every day and how they make decisions based on those values. And um, honestly, just asking uh, character character questions as well. So I make sure that I'm not asking just technical questions, like can you do the job? A lot of people can do the job, but making sure that you can kind of, if that candidate knows themselves and knows their values and can articulate that as well. And then also getting the team involved in interviewing. So not just having one person or two or, senior stakeholders but getting the team to understand that individual as well whether it be going for a coffee or making a bit more formal that's different with every kind of interview but um yeah that that's just how we assess culture fit mm. the coffee meeting i think people find tricky a lot of the time because they, they don't know whether it's an interview or it's a coffee or or something in between is there that, that you still treat that process as part of the the recruitment like a formal part of that that recruitment process so a coffee with texture is a still kind of an interview is that would that be correct um yeah look i'd say just as a kind of advice to like any role you know from from the start when you're talking to someone over the phone up until the very end it's you know if you are kind of your authentic self throughout that process then hopefully that coffee won't be you know a full-on interview process but um, I'd say yeah you want to create a good impression throughout the, the entire process even the coffee because I've seen from my time in agency and I'm not talking about PEXA but I'm probably referring to more by some of my clients back then I have seen candidates get rejected from a coffee mm. as well yeah, I remember speaking to, I don't know if it was an HR manager or a CEO at one point and talking about like the recruitment process and he was saying he always looked at how the person having coffee spoke to the waiter as a good indicator of, you know, how what they're actually like. So I guess the, the message is you're being, you are being sort of observed and judged and yeah absolutely yeah and even how they treat the receptionist when they come in and go for an interview i mean everyone here at pixel we kind of treat everyone as friends so um yeah if, if a candidate kind of comes in and you know doesn't talk to the receptionist at all or doesn't make eye contact and treat someone differently to another way they'd treat the the hiring manager that that's going to get picked up so yeah i totally agree Oh, good too. I'm glad that I'm not. <laughs> yeah. If if we can go back to the the LinkedIn recruiter that you've used, I think that's that's a you know great uh, you know uh, sort of talking point because not many people know. I don't think so. We've discussed LinkedIn recruiter, you know, Caroline on mm -hmm. on this show. But can you can you take us into the you know kind of you know behind the scenes of using LinkedIn recruiter? And you also mentioned that. You know, sometimes you go back to the previous applicants also. So does LinkedIn Recruiter has got that facility for you to build kind of a pipeline, make some notes, and then you can refer back? How does that LinkedIn Recruiter really, how do you use that? Yeah, so LinkedIn have actually kind of released their own ATS system, applicant tracking system recently, where you can kind of put notes and you can 
when you message a candidate through LinkedIn Recruiter, um, that message will stay there for whenever. So I still have messages from two or three years ago in my old role as well. Um, so with LinkedIn Recruiter, they keep making up friends, but really I use it to search for candidates. So how that can work is whatever you have on your public profile, all of that is searchable. So if you're putting in, you know, you worked at RMIT or you worked at a certain university, I can search that and target specific unis up and making sure that I, you know, message everyone from who's attended RMIT, for example. Um, if you put down certain skills like you are, you know, a BA with agile skills and have experience with user stories and Cura and all that kind of stuff, I can keyword search you know, stories, Jira, BA, Agile, and that will populate a list of candidates for me to have a look at. So, to, yeah, just think of it as your profile right now and every single piece of information that you enter in, whether it be your career, the company that you worked at, the, um, you know, where you even studied, what languages you know, all of that is searchable. And that enables me to create a targeted search to even reach out to you directly. Um, or even to talent pool you as well for, for later. Yep. And um, what do you actually, from a LinkedIn profile, what makes somebody stand out to you as an applicant? Yes, good question. Uh, so honestly, the more content, the better, so I can kind of gauge what you've done. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, some people don't put much at all and it's, it's hard because you don't know you know, you don't know if they have the required experience. So I most likely won't reach out to people who don't have a lot of info. Um, I'd say like even small things like the, the interest. So if they are interested in tech companies or what are they following, um, how active are they would stand out to me. And if they are commenting on kind of community related articles, how involved they are, you know, if they are a social media guru and they have LinkedIn, you know, what does their profile look like and how have they commented on other people's profiles and what do they like and follow? Mm. Um, honestly, just putting in information as to don't just put in your role and the organisation or some people don't put in that at all, but just putting in dot points about what you achieved, putting in a nice summary, a nice blurb. Yeah. So you kind of want to I'm look and sound. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry? That Oh, sorry, a photo, definitely for oh, a photo. Yeah, exactly. yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I tell you, it's amazing. Like, I, I think the number of photos get 37 or 30% more click-throughs because I guess, you know, we're wanting to associate um, with the person as well. So, yeah. If on, on just, yeah, if you, if you just stay on, on LinkedIn profile, uh, to, so, you know, so I, I believe the LinkedIn recruiter is kind of a Google search you know where you where you got you know you can search for agile and you know like a boolean search you can add something or you can or is that is that how it really works and secondly do recruiters keep their profile open that if you come if you if you search via linkedin recruiter then will i will i ever find out that yes michelle came to my profile or linkedin recruiter keeps that secret for 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 anybody to know yeah, so if I'm searching on normal LinkedIn without recruiter, because there's two different sides to it, if I'm searching on normal LinkedIn and I look at your profile, you'll be able to see that I looked at it. But if I'm 
searching through Recruiter, then you most likely wouldn't see me look at your profile. So I actually don't think you do. Um, or I believe sometimes it just says Recruiter looked at your profile, but it won't say where you're from, it won't say your name, it won't say any of that. Yeah, and, and with the Boolean search as well, you're, you're correct. You can definitely put strings in there. So it's like a stealth operation, right? <laughs> yeah, it's like searching, but to the extreme. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because that, that's another thing, right? Because, you know, once people, you know, uh, you know, you know, me and Caroline would agree that a lot of people then, then get excited, right? That it's like, you know, five recruiters, uh, you know, went, you know, checked out my profile. Then the next thing is, is if you can just stay here on LinkedIn for a moment, is, is around... Do people that approach you, if let's say you visited someone's profile, how many people you, you, you've seen that people approach you with, with a professional communication? And do you, do you expect them to approach you like that? Are you, what are your responses if people approach you? Because you did, you know, I, I believe that people don't accidentally land onto a profile, right? You know, there's either they find you through common connection or they are searching for something that landed onto your profile. What would, how would you, you know, advise job seeker to respond to those recruiters who visit their profile? Oh, that's an interesting question. Um, I actually try to avoid using my public profile because of this, because um, I, yeah, when I'm looking at someone's profile, it's not because I think that they are always, you know, the, the right person for the job. It's probably because I'm having a look or they came up in one of my searches and I just wanted to check it out. Um, if they, if you see a recruiter looking at you, I don't think that, I mean, and their name is kind of like displayed, so they looked at your profile in public. There's no harm in reaching out to them. I don't think there's harm in that. But um, in saying that, on being on the flip side, I have so many messages come through all the time. So a message saying that, oh, hey, I noticed that you looked at my profile. Um, I, I honestly would prioritise other messages before that one as well. But I, would, I would try my best to get back to everyone and say, I guess I was just looking at your profile um, as I was looking at this role or just seeing if you would be a match for some roles here um, and I'll just take it there. Mm. I wanted to ask you a question around referrals because, um, you know, when they look at the big data of how people recruit or how organisations recruit across the board, um, they say like less than 1% of people that apply online are successful because people get flooded. And that when somebody's a referral, so somebody might come to you and say, can you interview this person? There's a much higher chance of being interviewed. How do you view referrals that might come from other people in the organisation? Do you have a, do you always interview that person and do you have a, a different process for that? When, um, when yeah, um, I find it surprising that less than 1% kind of get uh, the job because you know just if you just relied on referrals you really kind of kill the diversity in the in an organization so um look if referrals is something i take seriously and it means that i will look at their profile but doesn't always mean that they're right for the job so if someone comes through with a referral i'll have a look um i'll definitely add on any notes and myself the hiring manager will all take a look and um, if they if they are right, then we will continue and put them through the same process as everyone else. 
but yeah. um, if they are not, then yeah, they're not. They're probably better suited to another role. Yeah, yeah. What about? Uh, I think this question might be really would be really relevant for a lot of people. Um, so you've worked at larger corporates and you've worked at at Pixar. How's the recruitment function different? Are you like how's the process different um, from the way that you might um, deal with candidates or the way that that more more so the the way the recruitment function is viewed? Does, do people in a smaller, flexible, scaling organisation? view you differently compared to say an agency recruiter or somebody recruiting for a large corporate? Yeah, interesting question as well because every single person that looks at your CV will have a different view regardless of mm. whether you're in a big organisation or a smaller organisation. In regards to process, just from my experience, if I were recruiting for you know, a large, um, like really regulated kind of company, then you'll most likely have a very structured interview process and the feedback will come back to you a lot later and slower than um, having kind of like a smaller organisation kind of interview you and having more flexibility around um, how the interview is and the feedback will come back to you really quickly as well. Yeah. So and in terms of the teams in each organisation, again, I've seen a lot of larger corporations and they all structure their interviews quite differently so mm. i can't really say that there's one way for you know recruitment to work but um i, I do believe that the feedback is generally quite slower when when you're working with a larger organization mm, there's layers and layers of um, yeah 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 so it takes a while for that internal communications to kind of get back yeah so on, on another, uh, you know, you know, question that a lot of job seekers have is approaching startups directly, uh, because if let's say I want to work in a, in data analytics, uh, you know, or fintech, um, or or edutech, or you know, whichever tech that you see, how you know, do talent acquisition partners or talent acquisition consultant appreciate that kind of approach with thoughtful communication that why am I a great fit for the role? And, and this is what I, I need, I can offer or approaching directly to the manager or should they approach through the talent acquisition? What are your kind of thoughts on that? And is this acceptable approach? Yeah, look, I think it's always really great for someone to not just kind of message you saying, I want this job or kind of being really direct about it um, because that, that would be quite common with a lot of people do do that so I think the best way for um, what I really love is kind of getting great responses through the the job ad itself and going through one platform because everything's just easier for me when it's in one place but um you know if if you want to reach out and, and to go through other channels like LinkedIn for example um, I won't recommend just messaging the person and asking for the job. So, you know, sometimes it's always best to understand a bit more about the world before applying or just to um, just a knowledge share and ask them about potentially, you know, what, um, let's say like the, the hiring manager is from cyber. So asking like about the cyber trends and kind of building on that foundation before you move there. So for me, to be honest, it's best to go through direct channels rather than um, the hiring manager itself, unless if the hiring manager is the one advertising, because um, 
yeah, I guess that's that's kind of my role really to kind of go through that screening before I pass it on to the hiring manager. I think, yeah, the point you made about um, the diversity as well, you know, you get the opportunity to see the, the market versus somebody coming um, via a referral to you. So, yeah, um, yeah. yeah. What's the difference? Because I, I know you had a chat to Nation before coming on about, you know, you being sort of in scale up mode, I guess, at Hexar versus actual startup. So what's the difference between the skill set that you might look for at the point you are now versus sort of a, a more raw and garage based for want of a better word, startup? Oh, interesting. Just like, I guess it depends on the role for me to kind of specifically answer that. Um, mm. But like in terms of skill set, really even startup to scale up right now, culture and having not just ticking the box with the tools is very important. Um, mm. I think that if you are contracting out to a larger organisation or looking to work there, then it may just be about kind of being able to do the role, but it's a lot more than that um, mm. just where we are right now. So. Um, yeah, in terms of skill set, I yeah, I'd probably need a kind of real life job to be able to talk to that. But mm. honestly, culture fit is is what I see as key. Mm. That makes sense. Absolutely. Now, yeah, now we don't have any more uh, questions. Uh, I think LinkedIn question we already covered. Uh, so if you got any more question, please send because we are we'll be wrapping up the session soon. If we can uh, go to the, uh, you know, just quickly about resumes. I know, you know, it's a very, everyone has an opinion on resume and everyone is right about that. So, <laughs> you know, I'll stop arguing people about, about resumes, uh, you know, completely. What are your top things that you see? You know, you must have seen probably close to a million resumes so far, Michelle. So, you know, what are your, if somebody comes and said, if you get, these three, four, five things right, uh, you know, it is a much better uh, resume. What are your tips on that? Oh, all right. Hmm. Speaking from experience, probably putting, having a nice layout that's easy to read, that's, you know, not going to make or break it, but that's something that's, you know, when you're, when I am looking at tons of CVs, that's something that's really nice to have. Um, looking at making sure that your experience is up to date is another one because i have seen cvs that you know may only kind of they're, they're quite old or you know or you're not too sure what has happened so being clear about where you're at right now and um also putting in your achievements so a lot of cvs may be quite um generic in just their responsibilities so when i'm looking at a cv i'd really want to know what you achieved because you were kind of brought onto this role that you're in right now to achieve something or do something. So what is it that you've done and what have you achieved in in that role or previous roles? Um, looking at something that stands out for me, it's not a must have is any extracurricular activities. So I recruit a lot in the tech space and someone who might have a active forum on like GitHub or um, might be a part of a Slack community or might be involved in, in any of those, that would be great. But it's again, it's not a mandatory and must have. Um, but honestly, just making sure that your achievements are quite clear in your roles. Yeah. 
just with um, looking at insurance, what do you what do you what what are you thinking that that tells you about somebody um, uh, on their CV? Is that sort of giving you an indicator of a broader, like their broader personality, or you just you like the fact that people have different things, or uh, you know something beyond work? Yeah, well, I, I personally like to see personality on a CV. So whether it be they like sports or they like to do this, I like to see that personality come out. So I'm um, having something that's kind of more related to what you're doing. So for example, what I just spoke about before, that kind of shows me that they're active in the community. And um, if that's the case, I'll probably have a look at their online profile as well and see how active they are and to kind of get a sense of who they are as well. Mm. And then if, yeah, if, if it looks great and I'm, I'm piqued, I'm curious, I will give them a call and kind of take it from there. Yeah. And just um, the question that's completely slipped my mind, I was going to ask, what, uh, that's it. What, um, like, are there, there any areas that you really typically struggle to fill in, in terms of um, roles? Like what, what skills are, do you see as being in demand at the moment? Um, quite a bit. So I think a lot of areas are growing. So cyber security is one. Yes. Um, data is another one. DevSecOps is something that, you know, is the, the buzzword has been around for quite a while as well. Mm -hmm. uh, I am talking about tech roles specifically, but I'd say um, there's, there's also other roles as well that are quite more industry specific. So for example, here at PEXA, we might have specific roles kind of with a conveyancing or practitioner background, which may be hard to feel as well. But I'd, I'd say I could probably speak to more of the technical side in saying that those three are the hard to feel. That makes sense, I think. Excellent. Before we let you go, Michelle, we ask a customary question to all of our audience, all of our guests. So the question is, is very simple question. What makes you optimistic? What, uh, you know, makes you hopeful? And specifically in these times, you know, it, it's sometimes it is difficult to, to, to contain optimism or retain optimistic. Um, but what really makes you optimistic, uh, you know, just right now? Well, having family and friends that are safe, well and happy is my priority. And um, working with a really awesome team. So um, PEX has done a really great job in supporting their employees and um, helping people throughout this difficult time. So that makes me very happy and proud as well to work for PEXA. But also to knowledge share with all you guys as well. So just being able to, you know, if I could help anyone out here today, because I know right now a lot of people are losing their jobs, um, just to be able to help in any way that I can is something that I am hopeful for. And I'm hopeful that, you know, you guys will find jobs and um, something will come about, especially uh, during this period and even, even after as well, because I know some roles are kind of coming back up out in the market. But um, yeah, those are the three things. Fantastic, and thank you, thank you for your generosity. I, I think it's given people a real, a real insight from a practical sense about what goes on behind the scenes. Because I guess um, you never know what's emerge going to emerge from this time in terms of um, exciting startups, and certainly what happened at the 
uh, GXE, there were some um, great things that came out of that. So thank you very much for sharing your knowledge. It's been absolutely fantastic. That's okay. Thanks for having me, guys. All right, Michelle, thank you again uh, for being uh, gracious because we exchanged, we got introduced by Emma of Launch Victoria. It took a, a you know, while for us because obviously, you know, COVID-19 keeps, you know, changing every day and, you know, that would have a lot of impact on your work, but you've been kind enough to come online and share your perspective on things. So thank you very much. It's okay. Thank you. Thanks, guys. All right, let me go, Nate. <laughs> All right, so uh, tomorrow, tomorrow we'll, we have two shows. Tomorrow, 3 p.m., we are going to France, or France is coming to Melbourne. We are speaking to David Hennessy. He's the founder of uh, Technical Wonder Technique. Go and check out what he does. We are going to talk about change and mindset but from a different perspective so don't miss that tomorrow 3 p.m uh on the same channel and then to tomorrow night 10 p.m melbourne time we are going united states and we are going to talk about how do you find find your true north and using play and creativity it's going to be practical hands-on session uh you know hopefully everything goes well with our technology but it's going to be fascinating discussion uh, tomorrow. So there are two sessions tomorrow, 3 p.m. and 10 p.m. Melbourne time. Caroline. Yes, we are wonderful um, keeping us busy. So, um, the only thing I want to wrap up with is if you want to follow the hashtag Career Care Package to follow, find out what's coming up and to watch past shows. We had a question about our YouTube channel. Um, we've put, uh, put, put a banner up and we're basically uh, sorting out the video interviews, but uh, we have 81 of them, so <laughs> we're going to be quite busy for a while, but we'll keep you posted on, on what, what we're going to do with that. So looking forward to seeing you all tomorrow, and uh, I'll let you do the sign-off, Nish. Thank you very much, everyone. And if you are in Melbourne, stay indoors. Don't go out. And uh, <laughs> if you are anywhere else, you know, do whatever that you uh, want Don't to do. But see you later, everyone. We'll see you tomorrow. Bye, everyone. Bye. Bye. Thank you everyone for listening to the Your Career Down Under show. Hope you enjoyed today's episode. If you want to know more about how Your Career Down Under can help you, please reach out to us on www.yourcareerdownunder.com.au And if you have got a question about today's episode or if you want us to do a particular show on a particular topic, please reach out to us. We would love to do that. Until next time, be well.